This episode of Nerd Cave Retro is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. You're listening to the Nerd Cave Network. programs and welcome to the nerd cave retro podcast my name is jason robbins and i'm derek diamond so uh it's it's actually been a while since we've talked to each other because last weekend we were both um we were working on the same production but we never got to see one another so uh, the episode you heard last week was pre-recorded the week before and um i was kind of hoping we'd get to see each other last weekend but we didn't no, it worked out where you were on set one day and I was on set the next day. So, yeah, didn't work out. But you did have a body double. Yeah, which was pretty time, fantastic. The first time I've ever had a body double. And that was kind of cool because uh, I was there the first day, which you weren't doing sound the first day. Mr. Our our friend of the show, Jeremy Branch, uh, was doing sound the first day, which the day was I, that I was there and we got finished doing all of my actual scenes on Saturday and I wasn't needed on Sunday, but we didn't get to actually film a couple of small scenes where you would see parts of me. <laughs> mm-hmm. So they had a body double fill in for me the second day when you were there. What's funny is whenever I got to the set, you know, I walked in the, the house and everything and I saw the guy who turned out to be your body double, and no lie, for a split second, I thought it was you. Really? <laughs> like I like I started walking over to him, like, oh wait, that's not Jason. Yeah, we're wait, roughly. Wait, where is Jason? We're roughly the same size and look a lot alike, so that worked out really well. Yeah, so how how was your your time there? Because we haven't really talked about it. It was awesome. I loved every second of it. The weather didn't cooperate the first morning, but. And it pushed everything about, I'd say about two hours behind. So when I got there first thing in the morning, most of the morning was spent getting into costume, getting makeup on. And then we had a little bit of waiting period for the weather to kind of clear up. We didn't actually get to start filming until roughly about um, 10, 30, 11, somewhere around there. But we oh, got wow. once we actually started, everyone was so well prepared that, I mean, we just started flying through everything. Um, you know, there really weren't any mess ups or outtakes or no, no blooper, no bloopers whatsoever. It, I mean, it was everybody hit every note they needed to hit every single take. So every I think everything was usable. Yeah, it was kind of the same way on Sunday we had a little bit of a rain scare around like 10 30 or 11. I think it was early morning, but after that, you know, the weather cleared up. It was, it was sunny, but also like just cloudy enough. Yeah. And we got some really good looking footage. Yeah. We were lucky the first day that it was kind of overcast because if the sun would have been out all day, it would have been unbearable. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was pretty warm uh, Sunday afternoon. You know, once the rain had completely moved out, and you know we were we were behind schedule when we started because of what happened on Saturday. 
but we were able to get everything done. You know, we, we milked every bit of daylight that we could. <laughs> yeah. On Saturday, we, we got down to, I think it was about five o'clock in the evening and we still had, you know, we were going to go from six to six. That was our schedule. And I think it was pr probably around four 30 or so, uh, cat and Steve decided to call it because there was some storm clouds to the North. It was starting to get pretty dark. And, uh, as soon as they yelled rap for the day, uh, it started to roll in and people were basically running with camera equipment as the rain was starting to pour. So as yeah. soon as they yelled cut for the day, that's when it started. And trust me, it, I actually drove home when we were done and from Pensacola to Mobile, it was, I almost couldn't see like 20 feet in front of me. The rain was so bad. Wow. But no, it was it was a fun weekend. You know, it was the first time I had been on any type of set in a couple of years. So and I never really ran sound before. So getting to do that was yeah. a really cool opportunity. So it was really I fun. I, you know, I feel fortunate to have been part of it. So I can't wait for everybody to see it. As soon as there's a, a way for everybody to see the actual movie, we'll post it here on our site and um, we'll talk about it maybe. Um, we'll have a, a pop culture palette episode, maybe a Derek diamond experience episode where we'll do nothing but talk about the movie and, uh, maybe have Steve wise on again. And we'll talk about it whenever the movie's ready to be released. Oh yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll all have to definitely make the podcast rounds. Absolutely. But, um, if you're ready, we can go ahead and move into our news for this week. Let's do it. This is from Mike.com. Nintendo Switch Online service price $20 a year to play online and get retro games on the go. Uh, the Nintendo Switch Virtual Console release date remains unknown. You may be expecting details on a possible Virtual Console for Switch during the company's E3 2017 festivities, which is actually going on right now, but Nintendo still hasn't done their... Uh, um, their presentation, their conference, this, yeah, their conference at this time. But, um, but we do know that the online service will cost $3.99 for one month, $7.99 for three months, and $19.99 for an entire year. Uh, it will be free throughout 2017, and Nintendo will change users of the service starting in 2018. What do you get for $20 a year? It allows you to game and play titles like Splatoon 2 and Arms Online with others. Uh, you get access to retro games uh you will get a new retro game each month and not only play your old favorites but the legacy games will be equipped with online multiplayer that is what made me go all right i have to get a switch that is the thing that made me go okay we're doing this dude because we can play dr mario together now online we can play you know super mario brothers online together that's just that's mind-blowingly awesome and not just that but twenty dollars a year i know that's nothing that is yeah. nothing <laughs> no one should have the excuse not to get that if you have a switch yeah that if you have a switch and you're not paying the twenty dollars a year for this like what are you doing i mean twenty dollars a year is that's less than a dollar a month or what, yeah. like a dollar twenty or dollar ten a month, something like that. Yeah, it's it's something like that. And you know, the article continues in saying that you know, comparing it to the PlayStation Now, 
which is $20 a month. And wow. then you have to do a $60 per year service to pay uh, to play online. That's crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, Nintendo has... This is a big thing for them. Yeah. Because this... we, we all know the the retro library that they have. And that speaks for itself. But doing the online multiplayer, which is amazing, and $20 a year that anybody can pay for. Oh, yeah. And I, I think we know now. Everyone should have this. Oh, yeah. And I think we know now why the Nintendo dropped the ball on the the classic NES classic. Because if they're going to go this route, I mean, this for the price of a Switch, you know, I know that $60 and $299 are not necessarily in the same ballpark. But if you're serious about, you know, retro gaming or if you're someone our age in your 30s and like me in my 40s now, if you have children that you want to introduce to the Nintendo, you know, retro games, this is the way to go. Get a Switch pay $20 a year and you get to play all these great games and you get to play online with people. This is, you know, I can understand now what Nintendo was thinking of, you know, not really supporting and going through with the NES classic. If they had this ready to go on the back burner. So does this justify the NES classic to you? Um, a bit. Yes. I mean, it's still, it's more, it's kind of like a Band-Aid on that wound, but at the same mm -hmm. time, it makes me happy that, you know, they're not trying to gouge me for money to be able to do this. I mean, because think about it, what's $20 a year? You won't even miss that, you know? Yeah. I mean, you have to have, you know, you have to have a Switch, so there is $300 just, you know, to get in at that point. But $20 a year after that to play online multiplayer retro games and be able to play all these games for free with the subscription model. That's just, that's, that is Nintendo putting a little salve on the wound. I, I like to think, yeah, it's a band aid, but they also put a little Neosporin on it. Yeah. <laughs> and they so kissed that it, heals it. it up a little bit <laughs> and they kissed it and patted us on the butt and told us to go play. <laughs> so, no, it's okay. Which, uh, <laughs> Speaking of E3, I sent you the link to this uh, right before we started recording. Yes. A game that I'm very excited about that's made in the style of retro gaming or just retro animation as well um, is finally announced for September 29th of this year, and it's a platformer called Cuphead. Now, this is a game that I have followed since it was first announced because I, I love platforming. It's still my favorite genre. And not just that, but it's made in the style of a 1930s cartoon and also has original jazz-type music. That If you're a fan of that old style of animation, you know that music style was featured heavily in those types of cartoons. So um, you, everybody should go to IGN and check out the Cuphead release date trailer. And there's some gameplay on there as well in old articles too, but... This game is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm glad to see that someone is making an old school platformer, and especially the way it looks. This old school, uh, you know, 1930s Disney era, and not like the big Disney movies, mind you. These are more like the uh, the Disney shorts, like um, the Steamboat Willie shorts. Yeah, that kind of stuff. That kind of animation with like really weird, trippy. 
uh, stuff going on. And it, just go look at the trailer, and you'll instantly know what I'm talking about when you see the trailer. Uh, and this article actually came out on June 11th. Um, mm-hmm. So just go to IGN and look and uh, type in Cuphead, C-U-P-H-E-A-D, uh, and you will be able to see the article where the uh, the uh, gameplay trailer is here, and it is awesome. I just watched it a little while ago. I really want this game, I, but I don't have an Xbox One, so I may have to. Hopefully, it comes to Steam. Yeah, that, that's kind of what I'm hoping. Like, I, I was really excited for it, and then I saw that it was for Xbox One. Yeah, I'm just like son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe I'll break down and actually get a PC game because it's coming out for PC as well. Yeah, and it looks really good. Go check it out. Uh, and third, uh, Capcom announces Mega Man Legacy Collection 2. And this comes to us from RetroGamer.net. After the success of Mega Man Legacy Collection and the Disney Afternoon Collection, Capcom has announced its latest retro compilation, Mega Man Legacy Collection 2. This release is comprised of four games spanning the remainder of Mega Man Classic series that wasn't on the NES. Mega Man 7, Mega Man 8, Mega Man 9, and Mega Man 10. As before, the games will include new features such as challenge remix stages for veterans, as well as boosted armor and checkpoint saves for newer players. Additionally, a gallery filled with artwork and production sketches will be available for fans to browse. It'll be available digitally August 8th, 2017 for PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC, with physical retail copies also available in North America. I kind of like this because I never got to play these later Mega Man games. Uh, especially like Mega Man Seven, which everybody says is good, or at least you know not not great, but good. Um, that was for the SNES in 1995, so I would love to be able to play that one. Yeah, for sure. You know, I I've never played a Mega Man game really, um, other than briefly playing the first one. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they're you know releasing these and just in general seeing these re-releases of retro games like you mentioned at the top of the article uh the Mega Man Legacy Collection 1 and the Disney Afternoon Collection selling really well that's a good sign yeah. for other possible re-releases just like in a couple of weeks they're re-releasing the Crash Bandicoot trilogy for the PlayStation 4 well i'm kind of hoping also that the the re-release of all these games and they're doing so well that maybe, just maybe, we're going to tr- make a shift towards platforming again. Uh, even with you know, what the PlayStation 4 is capable of, or what the new Xbox, the Scorpio, is going to be capable of, we still like platformers. It, you know, Not every game has to be uh, you know, Battlefield, you know, shooting, or like what's, uh, like, what's those games that, uh, modern warfare, like all those call kind of, of games. Yeah, Call of Duty. It, not all games have to be Call of Duty. I mean, you can just have a straight up platformer that is challenging, and people will go for it because that's kind of classic gaming. No, for sure, I totally agree. So let's let's get on that, developers. Let's start doing some more two D side yeah. scrollers. Yeah, get on it. Yeah, but, <laughs> but coming up next, we have this month in video game history. In 1981, Konami releases Frogger in June. Uh, who hasn't played Frogger at this point? 
No, Frogger is a classic. Oh, it's one of the best video games. I played Frogger so much as a kid. That was one of my favorite um, Atari titles that we had. I remember having it for, I think it was the original Game Boy. Mm-hmm. Or no, they, they did. I think it was a Game Boy Color game. And that was my first introduction into actually playing Frogger. Like, I, I had heard of the game, obviously, but have never played it before. But it it's... It's a classic. I mean, like you said, everybody knows Frogger. And it's one of those machines that whenever I go to like maybe a, you know, a pizzeria or, you know, some kind of arcade at like the bowling alley and there's that lone Frogger in the corner with like Galaga, I'm instantly drawn to those. Like, especially if I see Frogger, there's like a little bit of like my heart jumps a little bit because I love Frogger so much. Like Frogger, Qbert, um, Let's see, what are some of the other games? I love Miss Pac-Man. If I see a, a tabletop Miss Pac-Man game, I'm in heaven because I want one. <laughs> I want one in my house. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I'm looking at uh, the ports for Frogger, and this game was ported to a lot of systems. <laughs> yeah, almost every single system. There's there's yeah. no reason you can't find a Frogger to play on any console you own. The most recent version is on the Xbox Live Arcade for Xbox 360. Mm-hmm. But there's ports for Genesis, SNES, Game Boy, Game Boy Color, PlayStation. The only one that was never released, I'm reading this here, a prototype game was developed for Sega Game Gear but never released. Uh, yeah, it says uh, Coleco also released standalone mini arcade tabletop versions of Frogger, which, along with Pac-Man, Galaxian, and Donkey Kong, sold 3 million units combined. That's a lot. That is a lot. Also in June in 1986, on June 3rd, Nintendo releases Super Mario Bros. The Lost Levels as the sequel to the Super Mario Bros., the game was not released in North America partially because it was deemed too difficult. <laughs> have you ever played The Lost Levels? I never have. I've seen lots of gameplay of it. As a matter of fact, I think, if I'm not mistaken, there uh, may be a, a video game historian uh, episode about this because it, it talks about Super Mario Brothers 2 uh, and the reason why our Super Mario Brothers 2 is different than what it was in Japan. Interesting fact, um, the first time I ever played Super Mario Brothers: The Lost Levels was in, I'm sure a lot of listeners who grew up with the SNES remembers this title, Super Mario All-Stars. It was enhanced graphics of um, Mario Brothers 1, 2, and 3, and The Lost Levels, which had never been released in America up to that point. Mm-hmm. And it is, it's considerably more difficult than the original. So, I mean, I, I could see it, but I'm actually, we've defended this in past episodes of this podcast, but I actually like the super Mario brothers to the American version. I do too. I mean, it's, that was one of the uh, first games I ever got for the Nintendo. And actually that was one of the few games that my mother would play on the Nintendo and I would have to fight her uh, to, to be able to, to, for my time on the Nintendo because she got really into super Mario brothers two for a while. And that game brings up a lot of good memories for me as a kid. So I know there's a lot of people out there that really 
don't like it. I, I'm pretty much sure we did an episode about it. Uh, just go mm-hmm. look back through our arcade archives and we talk a lot about it, but I like that game a lot and I'm glad it was so different from the, the others because it sets it up. It really does set it apart. And I really do think that they need to bring um, Wart back as a, a villain in the Mario universe. I would love that. I would absolutely love that. In June of 1992, Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis is released by LucasArts, considered one of the most advanced adventure games of all time. Uh, and I have never played this game. Uh, it it kind of passed me by. The, the, uh, there was a huge gap between the Indiana Jones I had for the Atari 2600 and the original Xbox game that I played, that was an Indiana Jones game. And I don't remember the name of it, though. Yeah, I've I've heard of this game, but I've never played it. So that, yeah. that's I mean, I don't really know that much about it. So I'm looking at it now. Let's see. It was released in 92. Almost a year later, it was reissued on CD-ROM as an enhanced talkie edition with voice acting. And then in 2009, it was released as an unlockable extra of the Wii action game Indiana Jones and the Staff of Kings. Never heard of that either. No, I haven't either. <laughs> uh, but I, I like the cover art for this. It's by uh, William Eakin. Um, it's got a very Drew Struzan-esque look about oh, it. Oh, yeah. But you can tell it's not quite Drew Struzan because he doesn't quite get the, the Harrison Ford likeness pitch perfect like Drew yeah. Struzan does, but this would be an awesome poster to have. This is that it looks like maybe like a book or something you'd buy, you know, like a extended universe, Indiana Jones book. The layout of it looks very Indiana Jones like, Oh yeah. Like this could have been a poster for Raiders. Oh, for sure. For sure. I love anything Indiana Jones. So if I ever come across this, like on steam or something, I might buy this. Because I love me some Indiana Jones. Oh, on the Wikipedia, it says it is on Steam. Oh, cool. Well, it's good as bought then. <laughs> uh, it says there was 8-bit versions uh, released on home computers, including the ZX Spectrum, the Ar- Amstrad CPC, and the Commodore 64 home computers. But I don't. I had a Commodore 64, but I don't remember this at all. Yeah, it'd be interesting to go back and look at it. Yeah, that'd be cool. I might have to do that. I'm going to go on Steam and get this and maybe do a review of it. Because I was actually, uh, we were supposed to have a guest tonight on this show, but it got pushed back to next week. Uh, It's going to be Tom Merritt from uh, the Daily Tech News Show and Current Geek is going to be on. And um, I was, you know, he's more, uh, more of a computer guy. So I was actually thinking we should do a computer game. And I was thinking the seventh guest, but he had never played that. So... Uh, I might actually think about doing some computer games. No, I, I I would support that. I think that's a good idea. Because Seventh Guest was a great game, and I've actually been playing it a little bit over the last few weeks. So I would love to uh, do that. But I think my next review is going to be Castlevania because I texted Derek like in the middle of the night, Friday <laughs> night. <laughs> I was so frustrated. I got all the way to level 10, and I could not get past Frankenstein. Because he's got the uh, one of the he's got Igor with him, and Igor, I can't get 
I got so mad <laughs> at one point <laughs> because I almost killed them. They they had one notch on their life bar left, and freaking Igor killed me, or whoever it is, the little uh, little monkey looking dude r- jumping around all over the place. I had one bar left, and they killed me. I was so mad, I almost put the controller through the wall. Well, I'm glad you didn't. <laughs> I, I wonder how many controllers, like how much money has been spent in replacing broken controllers due to like rage quitting. Yeah, I don't know. I know my Probably controllers have some notches in them from when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, I've I've always tried to restrain myself just because I don't want to buy a replacement. Yeah, me too. Uh, now, uh, you know, when I was a kid, it was just kind of like, oh, I'm going to throw it against the wall. Now I'm older. I'm like, I don't, I don't have the money to buy a new controller. <laughs> I need to not throw things. Yeah. Oh, man. Good stuff. <laughs> but uh, we can go ahead and move into our uh, little talk here about books because we need to hawk some books, Derek. Yeah, we uh, we like to read here on the Nerd Cave Retro Podcast. And for you, the listeners of the Nerd Cave Retro Podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. And as we mentioned before, they have a ton of books to choose from, over 180,000 of them. So if you like mysteries, they have mysteries. If you like romance, they have romance. If you're a gamer... And if you're not, then I don't know why you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> but they have books from you know the Halo series, Gears of War, Mass Effect. They have autobiographies. They have anything that you could want to listen to. Jason, are you still listening to the Dark Tower series? Uh, yes, but <clears throat> I'm taking a little bit of a break because right now I'm reading or listening to Lords of the Sith, a Star Wars book by Paul S. Kemp. And narrated by Jonathan Davis. And no, not the Jonathan Davis from Corn. <laughs> 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 Trying to listen to an uh, audiobook and it's like nom, 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 nom. pretty much. That'd be awful. <laughs> uh is that the one where Palpatine and Vader get trapped on this planet? Yes. And they have to Oh, I want to read that. I am. Uh, it sounds like such a cool concept. Yeah, I'm about two chapters in right now. I'm not. I don't really know anything about it yet because I'm just now getting into it. So I'll, I'll let you know the further I get into it, how it is. Uh, I'm definitely looking forward to it. But to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com/nerdcave. Again, that's audibletrial.com/nerdcave for your free audiobook. And coming up this week, we actually are going to do, uh, Derek's going to review a game that actually won the poll on Facebook. Yeah. So here it is. I was wondering what song you were going to pick. Yeah, I listened to uh, a few different tracks, and this was the only one that kind of uh, stuck out to me. The other ones were kind of slow and quiet. A little bit, yeah. But no, it was a good choice. That is uh, Rock Solid from the uh, nightclub level. And the game that I am reviewing this week for the Nintendo 64 Conker's Bad Fur Day. 
Conker's Bad Fur Day is an action platform video game developed by Rare and released for the Nintendo 64 video game console in 2001. As part of the Conker video game series, the game follows the story of Conker the Squirrel, a greedy, and I yes, I'm reading this correctly, a greedy, heavy-drinking red squirrel who attempts to return home to his girlfriend, Barry. The gameplay is composed of various challenges that involve platforming, solving puzzles, fighting enemies, and gathering objects. And also features, in my opinion, a very underrated multiplayer mode. So, a little bit of backstory on how I was introduced to this game. I'm a huge Rare fan. I have been since since the Super Nintendo days when they made the Donkey Kong Country series. From there, they made Diddy Kong Racing, Banjo-Kazooie, Banjo-Tooie for the N64. And I, I loved them. You know, Rare could do no wrong. So, through Diddy Kong Racing, they created this character called Conquer the Squirrel. And he was kind of your, you know, your typical kind of cutesy, uh, you know, talking animal type character. And the original Conquer game was very much Banjo-Kazooie-like, but it was criticized for being a little too cutesy. Hmm. So Rare decided, okay, you don't like that, so we're going to introduce a little bit of a South Park type element into this game. So this game is absolutely not for children. It's absolutely not because there's profanity, there's puking, there's pooping, there's decapitation, there's gun shooting, literally, and pardon my language, but I think it's the only way to... To justify it, one of the bosses in this game is a giant opera singing pile of shit. <laughs> Why have He's, I never heard of this game? It was it kind of flew under the radar because it was one of the last it was really the last big Nintendo 64 game. And not too long after this, Rare left Nintendo to go to Microsoft. I think they might have did they might have done one or two games for the GameCube. But after that they went over to to Microsoft. So this was to me the last great rare game. And it was so vastly different hmm. than anything else they made. And honestly, I can't picture it being anything else than what it is. Now it's your typical platformer, 3D platformer type game. And the thing I like the most about this game is not just the kind of simplified gameplay of it, but the look of it is actually kind of artistic in its own way. If you look at some, some of the screen caps yeah, or you know, some watch some video of it. Now, and they're very... Like, there was a lot of games that came out for the N64 where you know, even some of the... the even the Super Mario... 64 you know it kind of has that blocky look about them but mm -hmm. these backgrounds look almost like paintings oh yeah this game really pushed the graphic limits of the n64 i i think it's probably the best looking nintendo 64 game that was ever done because mm -hmm. it's you know it, it was one of the very few games that really pushed the graphic limits, but 
you know, not just the graphics, but the humor in this game. Yeah, it's really crude, but it's actually kind of smart humor as well, because there are so many references to pop culture movies. You know, the beginning is a parody of A Clockwork Orange. They have knockoffs of The Matrix, uh, Jurassic Park, Alien. You know, um, a lot of really known pop culture uh, films. Yeah, I think Terminator is another one. There are just so many. But the combination of the humor, the graphics, and the platforming game style make this, you know, one of my favorite Nintendo 64 games. And it was a game that I wish that they would make a sequel to. Like, if you were to ask me what would I like to see a sequel to, this would be, you know, one of the first games that I would list because the ending perfectly sets up a sequel, but they just never did it. Hmm. Well, it now says they, here that a remake, Conquer Live and Reloaded, was released for the Xbox in 2005, and the game was included as part of the Rare Replay compilation for Xbox One. Yes, I did play the Live and Reloaded remake. It was the same game, just with improved graphics. The coloring looked a little different. Um, the multiplayer, to me, wasn't nearly as fun. And then, you know, Rare Replay, I don't have an Xbox One, so I've never actually played it. But this is this is a, a nice gem from the Nintendo 64 era. Now, Conquer does have a good cult following, and I feel like a lot of that came out after the Nintendo 64's lifespan was over. Yeah. Because there's still a lot of people who want more... They want another Conquer game. And there was actually one in development um, called Conquer's Other Bad Day. But once they moved from Nintendo to Microsoft, Microsoft's like, oh, we don't have any interest. Yeah. Which I, I don't understand why, because... I don't know why Rare wouldn't want to go back to the well of their success. You know, why they wouldn't make an actual Banjo-Kazooie sequel and not the nuts and bolts crap that came out for the 360 a few yeah. years ago. Well, why if... you wouldn't do a sequel to Conquer or, you know, heck, another racing game. Yeah, well, maybe if there's enough demand for it, you know, um, maybe it is in the works. Nobody's just say anything about it yet but i definitely if i run across this i'm gonna buy this because this looks right up my alley and it's kind of weird that, that you would have a game of this type with this type of humor kind of more adult oriented you know come out for a nintendo system because that normally doesn't happen well i think honestly with nintendo and i could be completely wrong but this is just my opinion the 64 was about to you know, cease production. So they were probably like, eh, it's maturated, whatever, put it out. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not like we're really going to do anything about it, but the variety in this game is great too, because it all takes place in like a central hub world that go off into other sub worlds. Like you have um, a caveman world that has like a, like I mentioned earlier, a Jurassic Park type feel. There's a war level that feels much like a Saving Private Ryan type movie. Hmm. So you go you go from platformer to a third person shooter or 
you know, you're fighting, like I said, a giant pile of poo. <laughs> so there, there's definitely a ton of variety in this game. And it, it's not a very long one, but it's, it's so much fun. I was actually, I haven't played the game in years, but I was actually watching some of the cutscenes earlier today. And it just, I, I really want to find this game. I imagine it's probably fairly expensive. But Matter of fact, if I, if I run up. across it one day, I would be willing to actually pay, you know, a somewhat decent amount of money for it. I'm actually looking it up right now just to see what it goes for on eBay. Whoa. I will actually do the same thing. Sealed, $202. Um, That's not surprising. You can get one for uh, tested and works well. Uh see. Ooh. See shopping. Buy uh, just now. a cartridge, twenty-five bucks on eBay. Uh, well, there's one here that's very top. It's uh, buy it now for twenty-seven ninety-nine. Uh, there's one for eighty. That's a pretty big jump. Yeah. There's one here that's for seventy-one ninety-five. Uh, another one for sixty-nine. So these are kind of. <clears throat> kind of up and down the scale of what they're there's, charging for these things. There's no way this one's real. Let me look at it. So sealed game inbox and all $360. I'm not joking. Wow. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, I'll, 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 I'm going to be on the, I mean, I might actually break down and buy it online because, you know, this game that comes up every now and then is a game that I really want to go back and play. And I think anybody, you know, who has a Nintendo 64 should, yeah. because it's a, it's a platformer that's been kind of overlooked a little bit just because Conker has been out of the limelight for so long. I mean, he's really only been in two games. Well, he did, um, uh, uh, what was that game that was for the Xbox? I think it was called Project Spark. I think oh. he was in that game. But other than that, it hasn't really been that much. And it, it's a universe that I would love to go back to because I imagine you know, they could do so many more parodies with all the movies that have come out since 2001. Yeah. And, you know, going back and, and playing the the remastered version back in 2005 it was only four years later but it, some of the the pop culture parodies did seem a little dated but i don't know if that's because i already knew what was going to happen but it was it was still fun to go back and visit this is it was a really well received game as well um edge rated it seven out of ten game pro five stars ign 9.9 out of 10 wow so yeah, let's see, it received critical acclaim. Many publications and websites declared the graphics were the best on the N64. Featured a number of technical effects that were uncommon at the time, such as dynamic shadowing, colored lighting, large areas with a long draw distance. Uh, game makes other Nintendo 64 games look like 16-bit software. <laughs> 
Well, it says here that the official Nintendo magazine placed Conker's Bad Fur Day at 97 on their list of 100 greatest Nintendo games ever. Wow, I was surprised it actually made the list. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to pick up a copy of this. And like I said, I was looking on eBay and you can get one now for it's a buy it now for twenty seven ninety nine, um, And that's looks like that's pretty cheap uh, because all the other ones I see are at least 50 and above. Yeah, this is a game that you'll probably have to spend at least 20 to 25 on yeah. to get it, which I mean, I for a game that I enjoy that much. You know, I would do it. I mean, as much as we talk about, you know, obviously finding the better deals, but if there is a rare game that you really want, you know, if if you're if it's a game that you're a huge fan of and you think it's worth that amount, then you should do it. Yeah, because I mean, you can't really depend on trying to find like a garage sale or flea market to. um you know, kind of try to find somebody that doesn't know what they have. I mean, if there's something you want, just it, it just depends on what you think your amount of fun is worth. Yeah. No, I totally agree. But no, that's uh, that's pretty much my review of Conker's Bad Fur Day. On a awesome. scale of 1 to 10, I'd probably give it 8.5 or a 9. That's cool. That's a high praise. No, it, it's... It's one of the better platformers that was made for the N64. And next to Banjo-Kazooie, it's my favorite uh, Rare game. That's cool. I'm going to check it out. I'll, I'll look up some videos of it tonight. And uh, You should. Also... It, it very much has that British humor oh, uh, awesome. style as well. Because Rare is a UK company and all the characters have British accents. <laughs> it's awesome. Nice. And next week we're going to do something a little different. Um, we're actually going to do, Derek's going to do two reviews in a row and then I will do after next week, uh, probably do Castlevania, but next week you are going to be reviewing what? Oh, just my favorite video game of all time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. And Mr. Tom Merritt will be here from the Daily Tech News Show and Current Geek. So that's going to be a really fun time while he's here. Uh, so go to YouTube, watch a few videos of Ocarina of Time, or play it if you have it. And we'll be talking about it next week. Play it. Play it. Play it. So is there anything else you wanted to talk about before we leave tonight? Um, no, just, uh, be sure to check out all the other podcasts we have on the nerd cave network on Mondays. We have nerd cave retro, which you're listening to right now on Tuesdays. We have my solo show, the Derek diamond experience Thursdays. We have our wrestling podcast, battle of the brands Friday. We have the nerd cave podcast. I imagine that will be uh, some type of E3 review if I had to guess. Mm -hmm. And then Saturdays, what show comes out on Saturdays? Oh, that's the pop culture palette. Yeah. Head on over really? to actually, you know what? Just go to uh go on Twitter and you can pretty much find us all there. It's at Nerdcave Vids, at Nerdcave Retro, at PCP show, at uh, is it D Diamond Experience? D Diamond Podcast. D Diamond Podcast, that's right. Uh and you can find all of our shows there and on Facebook. 
Um, and just go to is it still nerdcave.com, right? Uh, Nerdcave Network. Nerdcavenetwork.com. And you can find all the shows there. Absolutely. We have we have various podcasts throughout the week. So yeah, and also the YouTube channels too. Nerd Cave's got YouTube stuff going on all the time. So go subscribe over there and uh show everybody a little love and go listen to our other shows and for this show why don't you go on whatever uh whatever you're listening to whether it's uh, overcast or the uh the stitcher or whatever go on there wherever you're listening to us at and leave us a review because you know what that helps us get higher in the rankings and gets us in front of more people and that's all because of you because if you want people to hear about us and you like this show go leave us a review please absolutely and on that note let me go ahead and play our music here if you would like to go to our website it's at nerdcaveretro.com you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com we're on instagram and twitter at nerdcaveretro and you can follow us individually on twitter at jfunktastic and at derek underscore diamond and we're on facebook at facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro and don't forget one more time to go to audibletrial.com slash uh, hold on, audibletrial.com slash nerdcave to get your free audiobook and a 30-day free trial. So Derek, tell them what it's about. May the way of the hero lead to the Triforce. You've been listening to a Nerd Cave Network production.